Matthew chapter 5 today, Matthew chapter 5. Dealing with hindrances to prayer at the moment, hindrances to prayer. Now, the reason we're dealing with hindrances to prayer is because prayer is the lifeline for believers. You can't have the relationship you got with God that you want, and you can't have uh, the Christianity and the joyful, blessed Christianity you want apart from your prayer life. And the enemy knows that, so he seeks very effectively to shut down our prayer lives. And so we're dealing with hindrances to prayer. We're dealing with eight hindrances to prayer. We'll, we'll deal with them uh, over the next weeks. Um, but I want you to understand that it's in, not, to, to, not to make you feel bad. It's to help you understand how the lines can go down. And you can lose your power and lose the sweet relationship that you have with God. And the only way for you to get it back is to deal with the hindrances. You see, in the Second World War... Um, Rommel was a desert fox. He took over Africa. And with his panzer divisions, he could go anywhere. He could take any city. And listen, the Allies were absolutely impotent to stop him. They couldn't, they couldn't do anything for themselves to stop him. An English guy called Montgomery was sent in uh, to, to deal with the problem. And he hadn't got tanks. He hadn't got enough men to do it. But he hit on a plan. Tanks need fuel to run. If Rommel was going to run his tanks all over Africa, then he needed fuel. If we take away his fuel supply, he won't be able to do anything. And he was right. They took out the fuel supplies. The tanks couldn't move, and they defeated Rommel. That's how Satan works against us. He works against us in taking us and stopping us from having that relationship with God where the fuel lines are open and the fuel is flowing to us. Christianity is meant to be vibrant and wonderful and joyful and blessed. There's nothing grim about the privilege of a relationship with God. We make it grim when we try to do it apart from the reality and the sweet joy of his presence. Let's bow for prayer. Father, would you bless us this morning as we look to your word? Would you help us, Lord? Lord, I pray it let us be open, Lord, to see what your spirit has for us. And Lord, where there's something that needs to be seen, Holy Spirit, you're more than able to bring it to light for somebody. Lord, would you do it? Would you undertake, I pray, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23. Jesus is talking about relationships with, uh, with people here. Um, in verse 21, uh, he talks about, you've, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. And, and then he talks about, thou shalt not uh, call your brother a fool, <clears throat> Raka. And then in verse 23, he says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Now, the whole system of faith, uh, and not just even their faith, their national lifeblood for Israel was centered around the the temple and centered around the altar and centered around people bringing sacrifices to the altar. It was, it was, when he's speaking to these people, they all know what he's talking about. You know, you bring, you bring your lamb to the altar for sacrifice and it's bound and you've made up your mind you're going to give this lamb as a sacrifice and this lamb is, is picturing the ultimate sacrifice that Christ is going to make for you. But, but you're bringing it in good faith and you're bringing it to the altar. And he says, if you bring your sacrifice to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, he doesn't say, after, as soon as you've made your sacrifice, go back 
and deal with your brother. He says, leave your sacrifice there and go and make things right with your brother. It's that important. Leave it there and go and make things right with your brother. And here's something that we need to understand, that our vertical prayer life is dependent upon our horizontal people life. Our relationship with God is going to be affected by our relationships with people. There's, there's no way around it. We, we would like it to be, you know, isn't this just a God thing? Just for me and God, not could everybody. But, but, but that's not so. How we treat other people, because here's what's happening. Here's, here's what we're going to see is happening. God is watching. Do you know that God doesn't tune into your channel when you arrive in church on a Sunday morning? God didn't choose into Israel, in, in, into the man in Israel's channel when he arrived at the temple with his sacrifice. He'd been watching all along. And if there was an inconsistency there in the spiritual life, God would put the finger on it and say, hey, hey, deal with that. And he does the same with us. But we tend to miss it. Now, this morning, what we want to do is we want to look at this issue uh, of offenses against people and how we need to deal with them. Because our prayer life can be blocked by wrongs unrighted, by debts unpaid, uh, by offended brothers unreconciled. We can block our prayer life when we don't deal with those relationships in a right way. We need to be careful how we deal with people. Um, Some of you pray long and God never hears. Some of you give much money and the sight of it is an abomination to God. Some of you work and toil doing church work and God hates it. Anything you can offer to God is hateful in his sight if you will not go and be reconciled to others you have wronged. There's a fundamental hypocrisy in any attempt at worship or service by those who do not honestly forsake sin and make an effort to undo the wrong that has been done, to pay debts that have been made, to ask forgiveness for sins committed against others. Now, listen, we'd rather that wasn't, uh, those thoughts weren't there for us, wouldn't we? We'd rather that, you know, listen, it was just between us and God, but it's not. When there are problems out there, we automatically have a problem with God. And we have the capacity, the ability to to, to rationalize and block out the problems out there, you know. We have the ability to say, well, that doesn't matter because, you know, uh, and we will will have uh, our ways of discounting what we've done to others. But you know what? God sees. God knows. Many of us kind of get our prayers answered because already the cry of others that we have wronged has been heard by God. Listen, when somebody wrongs you, you cry out to God. And you expect that God's going to do something about it, don't you? Listen, when you wrong somebody else, they cry out to God. And God's going to do something about that too. So we need to understand that when we treat others wrong, there's going to be a problem between us and God. When we do wrong by others, there's going to be a problem. Look at Malachi chapter 2. Last book of the Old Testament. So just over from Matthew. Malachi chapter 2. The book of Malachi, by the way, is an interesting book to read because what God is doing is he's, he's exposing the sin Israel doesn't think it has. He's, he, you know, he's, he's merciless. He's exposing it. But in chapter 2... And verse 13. And this have you done again, covering the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering any more, or receiveth it with goodwill at your hand. 
Now, hang on. What he's saying here in verse 13 is these people are coming. They're covering the altar of the Lord with tears. They're weeping. They're crying out. And God doesn't regard it. And he doesn't receive it with goodwill. God says, no. He's not listening. He's not going to hear. Now, isn't that what sometimes we feel in our prayer lives? And you know, sometimes it's actually true in our prayer lives. Sometimes the reason God won't hear us is because there's something wrong. See what it is in this case. Verse 14, yet ye say, wherefore? Isn't that great? Aren't you glad when God asks the question for you so he can answer it for you? And that's what he does here. You say, wherefore? Because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. You know the problem for them? The problem for, it, for them here was they were treating marriage lightly. They were dealing treacherously with their wives. And they were going on and they were being spiritual and they were covering the altar of the Lord with their prayers and with their, with their tears. And God was saying, no, you did wrong there. Go fix the wrong you've done and then come back to me. And that's what God says to us. God says, go fix the wrong and then come back to me. Go deal with the wrong. Listen, and it's, it's, it's hard for us to take and go and deal with the wrong because we need to humble ourselves. We're not so good at humbling ourselves. But God says, go deal with the wrong. You see, you can't override interpersonal relationships and not have a problem with God. You just can't. All right, <clears throat> look at Exodus chapter 22. By the way, some of you should take comfort from some of these verses because you've been wronged. Right? And there's comfort in them because God, God deals with stuff. Now, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, he doesn't deal with them on our time scale. So, you know, we don't get to have the benefit of seeing them. And he also tells us that we're not to be enjoying somebody else's pain, even if they have done us wrong, right? But understand this, that nobody gets away with anything. God always deals with stuff. Always. Exodus 22, verse 22 and 23. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If thou afflict them in any wise, and they cry at all unto me, I will surely hear their cry. And what you got there is you got, you got the human relationships, uh, <clears throat> afflicting a wid widow or an orphan child, and God says, they cry unto me, and I'm, go I'm going to hear, and I'm going to deal with the situation. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to deal with that situation. Uh, <clears throat> in verse 26, uh, if thou at all take thy neighbor's raiment to pledge and shalt deliver it unto him, uh, thou shalt deliver it unto him by the sun goeth down, for that is his covering only. It is his raiment for his skin. Wherefore shall he sleep? For it shall come to pass when he crieth unto me that I will hear, for I am gracious. Listen, serious business here. You know, God is not oblivious to your interpersonal relationships. God's actually watching them. God deals with them. You see in verse 24, he says, I will kill you with the sword. Your children are going to be fatherless and your, your wife's going to be a widow. I mean, that's serious stuff. What God is doing is he's laying out a relationship for Israel. You see, remember when they asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment, Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, soul and strength and mind and thy neighbor as thyself. He tied it together. If we were to look at the Ten Commandments, we'd find four of them relate to God basically and then six of them relate to how we deal with our neighbor. You see, that our Christianity, our spirituality is not based upon, you know, just this 
insular, private relationship that we have with God, it's based upon how we deal with others too. It's based upon how we treat others. And if we're treating other people wrong, you know what? God has a problem with us. And we have a problem. We have an issue. Um, Do we honestly believe that when we've wronged somebody and won't write it, that God will hear us? Do you not think there might be a problem for some of us this morning? That there might be an issue between us and God that, that needs to be dealt with before we can have that sweet relationship with him? Now listen, I always need to be careful when I'm preaching a message like this because I realize, you know, we, we go the full spectrum in a room this size. We have the, the deeply sensitive conscience, you know, who didn't give somebody back a, a cent in change the last time they were in the shops and they feel they feel really bad about it. And, and then we have the other, the other person who's uh, defrauded somebody openly of thousands maybe and they say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's okay. All right, now, understand, the Holy Spirit is the one that needs to apply it in your life, but you need to be open to him. You need the Holy Spirit to apply it because the truth is that if we've done somebody, somebody wrong, we have a problem with God, and we need to do it right. And you may say, well, listen, well, they did me wrong. Listen, that, that's fine. That's their problem with God. But if you did them wrong, then that's your problem with God, and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be worked out. You need to do people right. You need, you need to understand that, listen, God is actually interested in your interpersonal relationships and how you treat people. Let me ask you question. Is there anybody who wouldn't come to this church because they know you? Anybody who would look at you and say, you know what? I'd go to that church, but you know what? I, that guy, he, he did me wrong. He's got a debt. He didn't pay me. He's, you know, <clears throat> he did this wrong in my life. And, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I, I wouldn't go there and be amongst those hypocrites. I mean, isn't that one of the things that the, um, <clears throat> the, that the lost love to throw at us? You're a bunch of hypocrites. You know, <clears throat> not going near you because you're a bunch of hypocrites. Listen, sometimes it's true. By the way, it's not a good reason for not coming to church. <clears throat> right? <clears throat> but it is sometimes true. And you know what? Very off-putting for a lost person. In fact, I think sometimes it just puts the exact ammunition they need in their hands not to come because they look at you and they think, you know what? You're a hypocrite. Why would I go to your church? Why would I listen to what you have to say? Why would I hear what you have? Let me read you a story here. In a Sunday morning revival service in St. Paul, Minnesota, a number were led to trust happily in Christ. After the benediction, a woman with a troubled face came to me and said, what did you do with my daughter? Where is she? She was in the inquiry room uh, being instructed by the pastor's wife with a group of other women and girls, I explained. After the, uh, and then I asked, said, are you a Christian? Hadn't you better get this matter settled for yourself? I don't know whether I'm saved or not. I guess I'm not. I must talk to somebody. And she began to weep. We sat down together and I asked her what her trouble was and why it was that she could not know whether she was a Christian or not. Well, every time I start to pray, she said, God says to me, what about the $800? I never can get anywhere with with my praying. God won't talk to me about anything else, she exclaimed. So I said, well, what about the $800? Then she told me the sad story that she had never told another living soul. Her husband had died 14 years before. She had two children. She knew of no way to make money, so when the children had gone to school, she set fire to the little home and burned it to the ground. The insurance company paid without question the full $800 of insurance. With that money, she had moved to St. Paul, got the children in school, and got started in a livelihood. The lovely grown daughter who had that morning accepted Christ never dreamed it, nor did the son. Not a breath of suspicion had ever been attached to her. 
Yet God still remembered that she was a thief, that she was crooked. And every time she started to pray, God said to her, what are you going to do about the $800? Let me pause for a moment and inject something here. In our minds, sometimes we look at interpersonal relationships and we say, oh, that's a personal. Well, if I hurt a person, I have to deal with it. But if we hurt the state by stealing from the state, well, that's different. And if we hurt an insurance company, well, that's their business. That's what they're in business for. But understand that, listen, when you do wrong, God doesn't differentiate between it. When you do wrong, it's wrong. And God wants you to deal with it. God wants you to make it right. God wants you to take that thing and, and make it right and work it out. Anyway, let me continue the story here. But I have no money. I could not repay it, she said. But I reminded her that she had beautiful clothes and that both she and her daughter now had good jobs and that if they had, if they had to pay it just a few dollars a week, she could begin to pay and at least show good faith. But I would go to jail. I would land in jail, she said. I have broken the law and they would brand me before the whole world as a thief. I, I can't do that, she said. But you are a thief whether anybody knows it or not, I said. And if you do not pay this honest debt, you will never have any peace with God. If you go to jail, then go to jail. And God will there give you peace in your mind and heart and hear you pray. As it is, God will never hear you pray as long as this wicked sin is between you and him. Listen, that's a hard story, isn't it? That's a tough story. But you know what? God is interested in how we deal with other people. And sometimes because we're forgiven as believers, we have a real low estimation of our dealing with lost people. We look at lost people, you know, and and listen, we can deal with them very poorly. But you know what? They're not fools. They know what you claim to be. And they look at your the way you treat them, and they don't just judge you by it. They judge your God, your church. By it. They look at you and they, they see you do wrong. And I'm telling you, you know what? Listen, it smarts for them. And they cry out to your Heavenly Father. And your Heavenly Father sees and hears. Now, the Bible says this, and this is dealing with money. And money's only the one of the areas that we're dealing with. The Bible says that the wicked borroweth and payeth not again. You know what that means? That means it's a wicked thing for you to borrow. And not pay that back that which you've borrowed. It's a wicked thing for you to actually take something from somebody else and not pay it back again. It makes you wicked. And that's hard, a hard thing for us to swallow because we're, we're believers and we're Christians and so on. And you know, you have this, the, these, these debts back there. But God says there's a problem with them. And that doesn't matter whether that's an insurance company or that's the ESP or that's the rent or that's the landlord that you scooted out the last month of the rent and you never paid the rent. Listen, it's Wicked. God has a problem with it. You're, so you're supposed to walk circumspectly and you're supposed to walk in the Spirit and you're supposed to pay your bills. You're supposed to treat people right. And when you don't treat people right, what happens is they have a problem with you, but you know what? Not only they have a problem with you, God has a problem with you as well. Now you say, listen, Pastor, this is too hard for me. But you know what? <clears throat> the problem is that when we don't deal with problems, the problems get bigger, don't they? The problems become bigger and bigger. But when you deal with the problems, God helps you. God enables you to deal with them. But when you won't face the problem and you won't deal with the problem, what happens is you cut off God's supply in your life. Because think about it. If God's got a problem with you for the way you've treated other people in in finances, can he bless you? 
If God's got a, if, if, if God in your life has put the, the dampers on because of something you've done financially to somebody else, is it possible for God to actually take and bless you? You see, I realize there's a financial crisis going on, but do you realize that God never had a financial crisis in his life? And that our money is not governed by the coffers of Europe or by the coffers even in Leinster House. That our money is governed by God. And that God is able to bless regardless of the financial climate. But sometimes God puts the brake on because, you know what? We've got problems, we've got debts, we've got things that we owe other people that we need to pay. And God sees it. You say, but listen, they've forgotten about it. Well, they may have, but God hasn't. You see, God wants us to pay our debts. God wants us to deal with our problems. Uh, You see, this woman had a problem. And and I love the story because she knew exactly what the problem was. Now, it doesn't tell us whether she dealt with it or not. We don't. But you know what? If she didn't deal with it, she wasn't going to have peace with God. And some of you won't have peace with God and can't have a right relationship with God because there's an issue between you and somebody else because there's a debt back there that you haven't paid because there's something wrong between you and somebody else that's wrong between you and God as well. And it needs to be dealt with. Now listen, I don't want to put uh, an unnecessary burden on anybody. You may have debts that you're having a hard time paying. You may have debts that you're, you're in difficulty with. But you know what? You owe that person and you know it and they know it and they know that you're seeking to pay it. That's a different thing. But when you come to the place where you get a debt and you just put it behind you, listen, that's wrong. And you need to make it right. Remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was up in the sycamore tree and he came down and he went to have uh, tea with Jesus. And Jesus came to his house that night for dinner and Zacchaeus got converted. And Zacchaeus was a tax gatherer. You know, his business was extortion. What Rome did was say, you gather the taxes. Here's what we want you to gather. Gather more than that and you can keep it yourself. So the tax gatherers were known as people, you know, who gathered a lot. You know, they got as much as possible out of you. And Zacchaeus comes <clears throat> down and he says, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. I think Zacchaeus was a poor man by the end of this day. Zacchaeus had made a decision, but you know what? What he was doing was he was saying, listen, if I've, if I've created a problem between me and anybody by, by wrongfully taking from them, I'm going to restore it fourfold. And you know what Jesus says? Salvation has come to this house today. This guy got born again. This guy became a different kind of character. This guy has a new life in him. And you know what? New life means a new way of doing things. And if we won't do things God's way, you know what? It's an evidence that We're not letting the new life be all that it would be. And then we're not going to enjoy all that the new life could be. You see, we've got to understand that God is interested uh, in the things that we do as far as other people are concerned. Some of you pray and pray, but your prayers are not heard. Uh, You would as well better offer them any, not offer them anymore until you make a genuine effort to pay the bills you owe, to right the wrongs you have done, to apologize for sins committed, and to be reconciled with others. Now listen, I realize this is tough stuff. And I realize some of you are thinking there, you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, the feeling, the feeling I've got right now will pass away. This feels awful right now, but as soon as I get out of here, it'll pass away. If I could walk out, I'd walk out, but then everybody would know there was something wrong. And I wouldn't want that, so I'm going to sit here and endure. Uh, but you know what? The only real option for you is to get it right with God. You can't run from God. You can bury it again. 
But you know what? Your relationship with God is not going to be right until you deal with it. You know, listen, you may have neglected or you may have hurt a parent. There may be a parent that's grieved and hurt over the things you've done in their lives. You know what? You need to to make it right. You need to deal with it. You may may have some child that you've done wrong by. Uh, You may have hurt somebody. And listen, you need to deal with it and make it right because God says there's nothing going on between me and you until you deal with it. You may owe a debt. I don't know what it is. I do have confidence that the Holy Spirit knows exactly what it is in your life and he's able to put his finger on it right now. He's able to show you exactly what it is. But you know what? You need to deal with it. You say, I could go to prison. Well, listen, would you rather be on the run from God or in prison with God? Listen, you'd be better off in prison with God, wouldn't you? You'd be better off with God. You know, listen, deal with it. Because if there's a problem between you and somebody else, there's a problem. Uh, you know, God wants us to deal with the issues between us and other people. If you've got debts out there that need to be paid for, they need to be dealt with. It doesn't matter that they've forgotten about them. It doesn't matter that they're no longer looking. This insurance company weren't looking for the money from this woman. God was. If there's a problem that you need to deal with it. Now, let me... Let me give you some help as far as some of these things are concerned. First of all, let the Holy Spirit lead in these things. Now, I need, I need to counsel you on that one because I don't want you just to kind of shrug it off and say, well, the, whole, the, the Spirit hasn't convicted me and I'm not, I'm, I'm not going there. Uh, because we can do that sometimes too. Right? I know it's there. I know it's a problem. It's been a problem for so long that I've shut the Holy Spirit off on it and that's what I'm going to continue to do. No, listen to the Holy Spirit if it's a problem. Lord, I want you to have your way in my life. I don't want any issue between you and me. And do what he tells you to do. Do what the Spirit of God tells you to do. If you need counsel on it, come and I'll try and counsel you on it. Uh, But deal with the issue. Don't let the issue just lie. Because that's the problem for us. We let the issue lie and at first we feel rotten about it. And after a while we don't feel so bad about it. But God does. God still wants it dealt with. Secondly, do this. Keep short accounts. You and I are always going to get it wrong. We're always going to mess up. We're always going to get it wrong. We're always going to do somebody wrong. That's just the way we are. You know, you you and I are, are hardly likely to walk a week without offending somebody. Sometimes we offend somebody because, um, you know, we were in a mean mood and we wanted to hurt them. Sometimes we offend somebody because we, we were careless. And, and sometimes we offend somebody and, and we didn't even know we offended them. Keep short accounts. Deal with stuff. See, the Holy Spirit's able to point out to you stuff that you need to deal with. One of the things you need to do as far as your devotions are concerned is say, Lord, is there something between me and somebody? Lord, would you show me because I want to deal with it. I don't, don't want there to be a problem. I don't want there to be an issue between me and somebody else. I don't want to be something between me and somebody else that's going to hinder my relationship with you. And then deal with it. Keep short accounts. Listen, learn the art of saying, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Listen, it will make you humble. Learn the art of saying, I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? Because you're going to get it wrong. If you haven't told somebody you were wrong and asked their forgiveness in a week, you've probably either reached perfection or you're blind uh, to some of the things you've done. I don't think it's the first. 
You know, you you need to learn the art of saying, I'm wrong, I got it wrong, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Deal with stuff when it comes up. Listen, as far as debts are concerned, don't take on debts you can't pay. Don't just take it on, you know, and, and you know, because it's easy to sign on the line, and and, and as bad as our society, as bad as the, our, our, the fall has been financially, they still got lots of credit. They don't take on debt that you can't pay. Just don't do it. It's not worth it. Trust the Lord. Walk with Him in it, and keep up to date with your debts. And if you do get in trouble with a debt, have the decency to phone the person you owe the money and say, "Look, I am really sorry, but I'm having trouble. But I'm going to pay this." If it's the last thing I do, you can be sure of that, and, I'm, I, and you can be assured that I will pay every penny I can even now. And let them understand that you're on it, that you're dealing with it. You know, that goes a long way with people. That heart, that capacity, that desire to actually deal with it. But keep short accounts. Don't let yourself get in the place, you know, where, you know, for some people, you know, there's, there's, there's years and tens of years of, uh, of issues and so on, and they're, and they're afraid to face them because if they face them, they'd, you know, they'd have so much to deal with. Don't let it get like that in your life. Just deal with stuff as it comes up. Listen, you get it wrong with somebody, go and apologize. Ask forgiveness. You got a debt, go and deal with it. You know, you hurt somebody, go and make it right. <clears throat> Don't let yourself get in the place where there's so much between you and God that that, that you can't get it right. Um, <clears throat> then act no matter what the cost. Now, here's where faith comes in. Because you may have something that the Spirit of God is saying to you to do right now, and you're arguing with Him because you're saying, if I do that, I'm going to end up in prison. If I do that, I'm going to look like a fool. If I do that, do exactly what he tells you to do. Act on what he tells you to do. You say, but it might end up really badly. Well, two thoughts. First of all, if it ends up really badly and you're right with God, you'll still be better off than you are today. <clears throat> that's, that's the honest to goodness truth, and you know it. Secondly, if you get your heart right and you want to get right with God, God's going to be in it. And it probably won't end up as bad as you think it's going to end up. It probably won't be as bad as that, you know, but you've got to get it right with God. You've got to deal with the issue between you and God. You don't have any option. You say, but at the end of me, it won't be the end of you, it'll be the beginning of you. You'll be able to walk with God. You'll be able to enjoy God. You'll be able to enjoy the blessing of God in your life. Because God shuts us down when we won't make things right. And you, listen, you and I can't afford that. We can't afford to be in a place uh, where things are not right between us and God. I want to give you one final thought here. <clears throat> then we're going to go to prayer. Listen, the area where you've defrauded somebody may well be in the area of witness. Somebody, you were supposed to open your mouth and speak the gospel to, and you didn't. You held back for whatever reason. Listen, that's a dreadful thing to defraud people of. Paul said, I am a debtor. I owe. I, <clears throat> both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, I'm a debtor. I owe them. And Paul was going to pay his debt. Paul was going to discharge his debt. He was going to speak to them. Listen, when God puts it in your sphere, in your realm, in your heart, for you to speak to somebody, you need to speak to them. And if there's somebody like that that you know the Spirit of God wanted you to witness to, listen, do it. You say, but it's not really convenient now. It doesn't matter. Do it.
phone them, write them. Do it. Because what you've done is, and they don't know what you've defrauded them. And God looks at you and says, listen, I gave you free salvation. Why didn't you give it to them? Why didn't you at least let them know? We need to be straight with each other, to be straight with people, so that we can be right with God. Are you right with God today? I know you may have come into this place thinking, yeah, I'm right with God. Everything's fine between me and God. But is there something between you and somebody else that the Spirit of God has put his finger on? And the Spirit of God said, that's not dealt with. You need to deal with that. You know what? You're not right with God. And you won't enjoy the blessing you desire. And you won't enjoy his hand on your life until you get it right with God. But if you will get it right with God, that wonderful promise comes into play. Draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. And you know what? He will do a work in your life. But you've got to deal with it. Is the supply line down? Is the power line between you and heaven down? Oh, won't you restore it? Won't you get it right? Won't you trust him and go his way with it? And let him have his way in your life. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. Father in heaven, we come to you today, Lord. Lord, a difficult subject and a difficult area to deal with. And Lord, our hearts fail us, Lord. And it's so easy, Lord, to have an offense, a grievance with somebody that we've hurt them, Lord, and not to deal with it. In the day we live in, Lord, it's so easy for us to hide from our debts and not to pay them back. So easy for us, Lord, to put between us and you. Lord, would you be kind to us today and would you show us any issue that's between us and you? Lord, as each one of us gathers here before you, Lord, we came today to meet with you. We came today to be with you. Now, Lord, would you show us if there's a reason why we can't be with you? Would you show us if there's a reason why you won't hear from us? Every head is bowed and every eye is closed and God is speaking to you. God has said, yeah, this one's for you. There's something there that you need to deal with. Would you just lift your hand up? Put it down again. Amen. Amen. Are there others? God is dealing with you. Amen. Amen. Are there others? God is dealing with you. The Spirit of God is doing the work. Listen, if, if he is doing the work, don't deny him. Don't say no to him. There's some brother, there's some sister who's offended because of you. You did them wrong. And you need to go and make it right. There's some relative, there's a wife, a husband who's grieved and hurt because of the way you've treated them. And you need to make it right. Just lift your hand. One other question before we close this morning. You're here today and God has dealt with you about salvation. You're not his. You're not born again. You don't know him. and You're not sure where you'd spend eternity. But God is speaking to you this morning. God wants you to be born again. God wants you to come to him. God wants you to be saved. Listen, it's the sweetest, easiest thing in the world. And you know what? If you're not saved, God is grieved. The Bible says you're under the wrath of God. But you know what? If you'll trust him today... He'll wash all that wrath away. It'll all be gone. But you're here this morning and you want to get saved. You want to get right with God. Would you just lift your hand so I can pray for you? 
Father, we do thank you, Lord, for hands that have been raised and for hearts that have been touched. And, O oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, Lord, I do pray for that one who's afraid to look, who's afraid to actually see the issue between them and somebody, who's afraid to look at the debt, maybe, who's afraid to look at the hurt they've caused, who's afraid to look at the pain they've caused. I pray for that one that's hardened themselves to it. Oh, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you this day uh, pry those things loose? W- would you convince them? Lord, one of your offices is to convince us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Would you, would you do that, Lord? Would you convince them, Lord, of the need to make it right? Blessed Spirit of the living God, may it be that uh, the sweet oil of heaven flows and that relationships are restored and that relationships are restored with you. And, Lord, that uh, sweetness flows. Lord, we look to you. We depend upon you. Lord, would you undertake for us in Jesus' name. Amen.